0: This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Roxon clinches the championship. AMA Flat Track rides into rolling hills. And we ride a fat bob. All this and more on this week's Power Sports Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Sports Podcast. I am Jason Baffrey, and right across the table from me is my good buddy Eric
1: Colvin from Colvin Motorcycle Company. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Just out hanging, coming up here, the top of the suite here yeah, we at are coming, Power Sports Podcast. Yeah,
0: we're coming to you live, well, live on podcast, live to recording. I don't know. I, it feels live right now, but it's not exactly. But uh, we are in the Oklahoma Talking Company studios, and... Uh, it's been another exciting week of racing, and we've had some fun as we've uh, got to go out and ride ride a motorcycle, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a few moments, but Ken Roxon, we've talked about him quite a bit, and he secured the 450 Lucas Oil Motocross Championship this past weekend at the Bud's Creek Motocross, and he was dominant. Once again, <laughs> he goes <laughs> 1-1, and it has just been an amazing outdoor season for Ken Roxon. It's
1: been a dream season for him, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, listen to some of these stats. I mean, he went 1-1. I mean, nobody could even touch him this weekend. But overall on this season in the outdoor series, uh, there's been 11 races. He has eight overall wins, eight one one performances meaning each motocross features two motos and they they're scored based on their results in the first moto and the second moto he has won both motos to score one one and get the overall win eight times he has 18 of 22 moto wins 294 laps led (laughs) and then he won all 30 he led all 34 laps at Bud's Creek to just put the icing on the
1: cake. He just checked out on the season, didn't
0: he? He really did. He won the championship outdoors uh, a couple of years ago, had had some uh, health problems 2015. He started out well in Supercross and then got injured and things kind of just didn't ever materialize for him last year. He put up a great fight with Dungey in the Supercross season here in 2016 but in outdoor motocross man he has just been dominant it would have been great to see what would have happened if if Ryan Dungey would have stayed healthy on the season but that being said he was dominant in those first couple of races when Dungey was there i mean Dungey picked up you know a couple of moto wins but uh, Roxon was still riding incredibly fast, and and Dungy, from all accounts, you know, was even struggling to keep the pace with Roxon. But just an outstanding season for Ken Roxon, the Ricky Carmichael, Kerry Hart, RCH Racing Team, Soaring Eagle, Jimmy Johns, and that whole group. Uh, the Suzuki um, getting the championship. I know those guys have to be excited, and now. Ken Rockson wraps up the championship. There's one more race left at Iron Man in Indiana. And then Ken Roxon will begin probably testing the Honda that he will be on in 2017. So uh, he's moved around a couple of times to different manufacturers, and this is another big move for him. But can you imagine what the, the people at Honda are feeling right now, knowing that this dominant rider is coming to their team and – and their bikes, and Honda, of course, has a storied history of motocross and
1: championships, and they have to be excited about what's coming their way. I can't wait for 17. 17 is going to be interesting, and hopefully everybody will be back, and everybody will be healthy, and we'll have, a, like they say, a barn burner for 17.
0: Yeah, it should be exciting, and I know we've talked about it a few times uh, that we're very excited about 2017, Ryan Dungey getting back into action. Um, Of course, we'll have Cooper Webb on a 450 in 2017.
1: That's going to be an interesting upgrade, isn't it?
0: Yep. And speaking of Cooper Webb, he also secured the 250 motocross championship this past weekend. It wasn't quite the dominant performance from him as he ended up uh, not winning the, the overall on the day, but he did get the championship he got enough points to secure the championship but it was zach osborne on the husk Varna getting his first ever overall win and if you remember back a few shows we talked about him getting his first ever moto win in the united states but now he goes 4-1 in the motos and scores his first overall so exciting time for zach osborne and it's great to see i saw him ride when he was a kid Uh, down at Gatorback in Gainesville, Florida. I was friends with his dad, who is former NHRA pro-stock car racer, Mark Osborne. And so it's, it's, for me personally, it's great to see Zach get that first overall win and doing so well. And and I know that's got to be exciting for them.
1: I'm interested to see how well he does next year in 17. Uh, with the experience he's got from this year and a few of his wins.
0: Yeah. Alex Martin, Cooper Webb's teammate, uh, ended up going 1-4 and getting second overall. And then the rookie, Austin Fortner, another great performance for the Pro Circuit Kawasaki rider. As he goes 5-2 on the day to score third overall. And then his teammate Adam, Adam uh went 2-5 and ended up finishing fourth. And it was actually Cooper Webb finishing fifth with six threes in the motos, but like I said, he scored enough points, he got the championship, so all of the championships are secured with one race left on the season for the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series. All over now except for the
1: final rides.
0: So AMA Flat Track was in New York this past weekend for the Rolling Hills Raceway uh, Central New York Half Mile, and it was the Harley Davidson of Jared Meese taking the win and a, a big win for him. And it looks like he's going to end up securing the championship. And in a little bit of a, a controversy or interesting developments, Brian Smith finished second on the night, followed by Jeffrey Carver Jr. and Sammy Halbert. But then on Monday or Tuesday of this week, it came out that Smith had been disqualified. He lost all of the points and all of the money that he'd won for finishing second, and they basically just stripped him of all of that. According to what we've been able to find, it was due to a rules infraction, and they referred to AMA Flat Track Racing Rule Book uh, Rule 3.22H which says something along the lines of all chassis ballast must be fixed to the frame and under no circumstances can ballast be added as rolling mass to the wheels. And, Eric, you have a little insight on uh, what that all means.
1: What that means is that you're not allowed to add weight to the wheel. And uh, with this infraction that he's being accused of, uh, apparently they feel that he added weight uh, before the main event to the rear wheel. And that the rear wheel was too heavy. What would be the the reasoning behind
0: a move like that?
1: Depending on the tuner that you talk to, there's a, there's a few different ideas. But for the most part, it is to make the motorcycle accelerate smooth out of the turn. You know, to be honest, a lot of times if you add weight, uh, rotating mass weight, uh, it may help the motorcycle accelerate off the corner, but you still have to stop that big heavy thing at the other end. Yeah. Well, Smith,
0: who rides the Kawasaki, and he was apparently, uh, I mean, ran really well, finished second, and he was in the points battle with Mies, still had a chance of maybe uh, pulling something off here in the last few races, but now I think Mies has a 30-plus point lead in the championship standings, and it's looking... It's uh, so Very up. good for Jared Meese to have, the, have another championship under his belt on his last rides on a Harley-Davidson before he moves to
1: the Indian racing team in 2017. And that is going to be interesting in and of itself. I really like the, the effort of Indian Motorcycle Company, and I'm looking forward to 17 and, and their team development. Yeah, we've referred to that
0: before having Indian and Harley back out on the track against each other and then you've of course got a lot of guys on the Kawasakis. We're seeing some movement from from Yamaha with the the DTO7 or whatever it is that they're exactly running right now. At least one rider has uh, has r- at least run in top 10 on a Yamaha. And uh you have we've the got the Lloyd a, Brothers with the Ducatis. Yeah, yeah we got the Lloyd Brothers Ducatis. We've got the Jake Shoemaker on the Triumph. And uh, we've it got a, it a BMW
1: out there, too. Yeah, it says it should be. We need some diverse marquees in this sport uh, instead of just like a Cup Series where it's just one brand.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking of, of brands and championships, in the GNC2 category, uh, Dalton Gauthier won the event in central New York, but Ryan Wells finished second, and he secured the championship for GNC2 competition uh, for 2016. So flying Ryan Wells is your GNC2
1: champion for 2016. A lot of rule changes for 2017. So any flat track fans out there, I'd get a handle on that. And it's going to be very interesting for 17.
0: Yeah. And we'll see GNC1 going to the twins at all events in 2017. Which that is the be... rumor. Uh, well, everything I've seen is, uh, it seems to indicate that that's what's going to happen, and it, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, this past weekend, they were on twins on the half miles, but there's been a few short tracks. You go back to the first race of the season, Daytona, when they're riding the 450s, uh, but now we'll see twins, most likely, in Daytona, which will be cool to see. We still don't know what's going to happen in Peoria, as Peoria just happened a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Henry Wiles getting his 12th win of the season at the Peoria TT, and And uh, we had talked about uh, we weren't sure where that fell in line with Chris Carr Eric had mentioned Chris Carr he thought had won quite a few races there as well and we have double-checked that Carr has 13 wins at Peoria is the winningest rider there and now Henry Wiles has 12 so if Wiles can win another one in 2017 he'll tie Chris Carr's record but will he be on a twin next
1: year and what will that do for Henry Wiles who's been so dominant at Peoria and I'm interested to see how Peoria, if they leave the track alone, if they change the track, uh, if they stay an uh, AMA-sanctioned racetrack. Obviously, Peoria's been there for a long time, and everybody's going to want them to to stay affiliated with the AMA. It would be tragic to lose such a facility, but it 17 is going to be very interesting to see them jump in Twins again. Do you know off the top of your head when the last time they ran Twins at Peoria? It's going to have to be somewhere in the late 60s or way early 70s, I'm going to guess. Interesting. Well, it's
0: going to be a lot of fun. Of course, we love to talk about Speedway, and they were off this past weekend at the FIM Speedway Grand Prix, but this coming Saturday, they will be in Poland, and we will keep our eyes on Greg Hancock, who is currently leading the points by... Uh, I believe it's 12 points over Jason Doyle now, and then Ty Woffenden is right there in third. It should be a great race for our Speedway Grand Prix riders this coming weekend. Good to see the old guys pull one off. I know. I get excited every time I think about it that there's a a guy out there that's the same age as me that's still winning races. (laughs) Of course, he eats better than I do, I think. So... Well, we had a chance to uh, get out and do a little riding ourselves this week. We were fortunate enough to once again visit Iron Nation Harley-Davidson, and uh, we had our good friend Monty Ketch host us once again there, and we had a chance to ride a Harley-Davidson Fat Bob. It was a lot of fun, and we're going to let you take a listen now because we recorded a little something up there, and we'll tell you what we thought about it. So we'll do that right now. Well, we just got back from riding a 2014 Harley-Davidson Fat Bob and of course I'm joined by Eric Colvin, my partner here on the Power Sports Podcast and Monty Ketch is with us once again from Iron Nation Harley-Davidson. We've had a couple of Fat Bobs that we got to take out for a ride and Monty, tell me a little bit about these Fat Bobs. These are not exactly the most high-profile Harley out there. They don't get the big marketing push that, say, the tails and the Heritage and the big bikes get, but these are very cool bikes. It's more like a muscle bike. It's got a different stance, wider wheels,
2: bigger tires, completely different look, completely different ride. That's right. It really does. Um, I really like the Dyna family of motorcycles. Uh, they're lightweight, and they still got the big motor in them, so they're, they're quick, uh, easily adjustable, and they're very easy to Transform and fix how you want your bike to be. Now on the Fat Bobs, they're for me they're more performance oriented also. They've got bigger tires on the front and the back. You've also got the dual discs up front, which gives you great stopping power. The drag bar setup is a little bit more aggressive setup, but it's not uncomfortable. It's still very comfortable to ride around town or even a longer distance ride on the bike. The seat's got plenty of cushion on it. It's got a nice little support in the back that doesn't make you feel like you're getting pushed off the back of the bike under hard acceleration. I like what they did to the fender the last couple of years also where they kind of cut the fender off and put the brake lights right there. It's got a really cool look to it.
0: Yeah, these bikes used to have a boat tail style fender on it. They've recently changed them somewhere between uh, 2013 and now and uh, they really have a great look. You've of course got the, the dual headlights on the front which is different from any of the other Harley models
2: and you have the dual LED taillights now in the back embedded into the fender yes and they said they're nice and they're bright they come on quick easy to see for the people behind you so they don't come up on you too fast yeah.
0: eric you and i both had a chance to ride this bike i personally had a great time this is much more my style compared to the the, the heritage classic and the bigger touring bikes uh, the drag bar is easy to hold on to they they look cool they feel good it's a, it's a good riding position. Um, not really used to riding with forward controls and the the shift for me was a little bit of a long throw to shift into the, the upper gears to pull my toe back, but
1: I think it's just getting used to it. But for you, how did the ride feel? I liked it. It was a aggressive ride, just like Monty said. Uh, they've done a lot of improvement on the chassis. The chassis is a lot. It's a lot more of a firm ride, not a rough ride, but a firm ride. It turns a lot better. I think that has to do with the wheel geometry and the chassis geometry. Foot pegs up front, they aren't way out there, so it is a comfortable ride. I like the seating position. There's not a long reach from the seat to the handlebars. That was good. Throttle response is excellent in this motorcycle. It has lots of low end and mid range power. Not a problem getting onto the highway, not a problem accelerating. I could see two up would be just fine. All in all, I really like the motorcycle. Comes standard with, of course, the Harley-Davidson V-twin, 103 cubic
0: inches. You've got about 90 plus foot-pounds of torque on this particular bike. So like Eric said, it's got some throttle response. It'll take off from the stoplight, or if you want to take it out to a test and tune night at a drag strip, this would be a fun bike for that.
2: Yes, it would. It'd be a whole lot of
0: fun on this bike, as a matter of fact. All right, Monty, thanks again for letting us come out. You can see both of these Harley-Davidson Fat Bobs at Iron Nation Harley-Davidson, right off of South Broadway in Edmond, Oklahoma. All right, we're back in studio and we enjoyed the Fat Bob quite a bit. It's not a bike that gets a lot of attention, as we mentioned. It's not one of the marquee Harley bikes, I guess you would consider. It's a really cool bike. And uh, here in studio with us, we have Monty Ketch from Iron Nation Harley-Davidson. And uh, welcome to the studio, Monty. And thanks again for having us out to the dealership and letting us ride the Fat Bob, and it was a good time, and it's a really cool bike. It
2: is a really cool bike, and I love it when you guys come out there, because I get to get out of the shop for a while and actually go ride a motorcycle. It's a lot of fun. That's kind of why I'm in this business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes it a whole lot
0: better, I'm sure. Yes, it does. Like I mentioned, the Fat Bob is not one of the, the marquee bikes that you see a lot of advertising around. But it's a really cool bike. It's easy to ride. It has a little bit different look, but we don't see a lot of advertising around it, and we don't see a lot of customization, but it's a bike that could really be turned into something cool with a
2: little bit of, probably very little effort. Oh, definitely. A lot of the reason why is because right now the baggers are so popular. The Fat Bob is a rather stripped down model. It doesn't have a fairing and a radio and saddlebags on it, and that's kind of what is really popular right now and everybody likes. Right now the top selling Harleys are the Street Glide and the Road Glide because they do come with all those features and a lot of customization has been done to those bikes because they are So popular, but the Fat Bob is a fantastic bike. It's lightweight, it's quick, and you can still add you know some saddlebags to it if you want to take a longer weekend trip on the bike and get a windshield for it and all sorts of things or just strip it back down, and you've got a really fun cruiser to ride.
0: Yeah, I think it would be cool to turn it into, you know, maybe do some sort of tracker styling with it. I mean, it's already got the drag bars on it and, uh, you know, that dual headlight, which is so unlike any of the other Harleys, and it's just got a great look. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go for it with it. I mean, you could do a, a, a cafe racer look with it, maybe. You could do a, a tracker. You could make it a bobber. Just a
1: lot of cool things could be done with that particular bike. It's interesting with the Street Fighter look with the dual headlight. I mean, that's like classic English Street Fighter look. It's amazing that that transpires into Harley-Davidson. And it does. It looks like a little bulldog
2: the way it's sitting there because it's kind of stocky. It's got that bigger front tire and the wide-set forks, like say, with that dual headlight on there. And then you see the drag bars and the seating position. And it, it's a, it's a
1: tough-looking bike. Yeah. And it doesn't steer heavy in the front. A lot of times when bikes have such a large front wheel, they steer heavy. That one doesn't at all. No, it doesn't in that contact patch on the
2: front tire you can really lean that bike over and kind of see how far you can go with it
1: yeah on the test ride i was leaning the motorcycle a lot and for a cruiser it it leans a lot for a cruiser it does and it's got the four controls on it and they're not
2: real low so you've actually got quite a bit of ground clearance with that bike too
1: it's amazing the ground clearance that harley davidson has given it because you're correct as a rule if the forward controls are low you're limited for lean angle and you're not limited as much with that one.
2: No, definitely not. Like I said, even with some of the other bikes, because again, most of the Harleys they they sit kind of like well, the Sportsters, for instance, um, the mid control Sportsters. It's so easy to drag a peg on those. I've dragged pegs on those, pull them around in the parking lot sometimes because I can and it's fun. But, <laughs> <laughs> but with that bike, you can actually lean it over a little further and not have to worry about scraping the pavement because that will kind of scare a lot of people the first time they do that oh my gosh
1: well let's talk about turning though that motorcycle has been changed by harley Davidson, where they've made the frame a little stiffer so when you actually turn the bike actually turns with you where some of the bikes in the past when you turned it seemed like that there was some lag like the front wanted to turn and then the back had to keep up
2: Uh, That's true Uh, They did the frame changes back in 06 We've had these changes for a little while now But they've done a great job And it's funny you say that because I happen to have one of the older Dynas as my personal bike And yeah, it wants to turn After it thinks about it for a second got to get it over there and Convince it that that's what we want to do And then it follows suit, but with the newer bikes The stiffer chassis, the heavier forks up front They do handle a lot better than what they used to
1: They do, and I noticed On a lot of long sweeping turns uh, on some of the off ramps that we took that once you put the bike in an angle to make the corner it would stay there and if you wanted to change it it was simple as lean more or roll the throttle on to stand the bike up but it wasn't anything aggressive it was a very neutral motorcycle
2: yes it's um confident inspiring really if you think about it because like say you put it down this is where i want you to go and it goes there it doesn't fight you in any way. It just does what you tell it to do.
0: If you didn't get to see the video that we did of that, you can find that uh, on our Facebook page, and you can also find it on our YouTube channel. Just search for Power Sports Podcast on YouTube, and you can see us riding that bike and uh, and take a look at it. So, uh, very cool. Well, Monty, we wanted to talk to you about working with a dealership. Uh, you work at Iron Nation Harley-Davidson, and a lot of people are intimidated by... Dealerships as a whole, but certainly when you walk into a Harley Davidson dealership, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to see, uh, and, and there's a mystique that comes with Harley Davidson. And some people can be overwhelmed by that. And you and you have a couple of different categories. I mean, you have the the diehard riders that have been around it forever, and they come in and they kind of feel like they know everything already, and they may or may not. Uh, and then you have the people that come in that are newbies, if you will, that are just getting into motorcycles. Harley-Davidson is the pinnacle, if you will. Uh, They want the American-made bike. They want that mystique. They want to have that cool factor that Harley-Davidson brings, but they don't know exactly what they're looking for when when they come in. So how does a person need to – what's the mindset they need to have when they come
2: into a dealership like that? Well, if they're brand new to riding – uh, but you know they want or they're stepping up to a harley Davidson. just come in I mean, everybody had their first day somewhere if you if you don't know that much about the brand and what we offer we're happy to answer questions that's what our job is to do is to educate you on on what you're looking for and all our sales staff whether it's um motorcycles motor clothes parts or service we're all trained to help and answer you those questions that you may have and it's a it, Really, we try to make it fun too. It's buying a car is kind of a necessary evil, but motorcycles should be fun,
0: yeah, I mean that that's the whole point. you don't necessarily buy a motorcycle because you have to. you buy it because you want to. you want to feel that freedom. you want to feel the wind in your in your hair or across your face, maybe not in your hair if you're wearing a helmet, but you want to feel the breeze you want to you want to feel that power, um, and certainly Harley Davidson has a different feel than a lot of motorcycles, you know, that's changed over the years. There's a lot of uh, some of the mystique is the the rattle of the Harleys. But, of course, with the rubber mounted engines now, it's not quite the same. But you still get that V-twin power feel. And there's just something about it that that uh, brings something up inside of you.
2: Oh, that's that's 100 percent true. There is that sound alone is iconic. I mean, anytime somebody talks about a Harley Davidson, they always say, about, oh, yeah, my my uncle had one when i was a kid i just remember how loud it was and the sound that it made and all this and that and that's part of the ownership of that harley davidson and it's funny that you talk about how there are other brands that, that make v twins yeah. and everything you know, honda costs like everybody makes a bike that looks like a harley but harley doesn't make a bike that looks like anybody else's and i tell that to people when they come in and they say well i was also looking at such and such bike and it's kind of like a harley davidson and yuck 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 well yes but this is the real deal I am kind. Of, I did drink the Kool Aid. I'm sold to the brand. <laughs> I, I have to admit that. Yeah,
0: when if somebody comes in and they are new to motorcycles, but they they are ready to have a Harley Davidson. They're ready to be part of that family which way do you point them i mean does everybody come in looking to start on a sportster do they think they should have the you know the smallest bike that harley makes do they come in and and look at a uh, a,
2: cl- a heritage classic uh, what direction I and mean, and how do you point them i ask them i start by asking them what kind of riding they plan on doing and if they and judging by those answers that i get from you know, what kind of riding are you going to do um are you going to have anybody with you what kind of bikes do your friends ride or is this your first motorcycle? That kind of tells me where to guide them. And then I'll walk them through the different models that Harley makes. I'll go through the Sportsters, the Dynas, the Softtails, and on up to the touring bikes. And have them they'll see one that, that draws their eye every time. They'll find out, ooh, I like this one. Well, have a seat on it. How does that feel? Okay, you say it's a little short, feels a little small. Okay, well, let's try this bike over here. And we, I try to custom fit that person to the motorcycle so that the way they find what what's going to they're going to be most pleased with and have the longest.
0: Yeah, and it really is a fitting process, almost like trying on a new pair of shoes or a new pair pair of pants. When you get a motorcycle, there's uh, there's some size issues involved that that you want to be aware of, and you want it to. You want to feel comfortable on it, I mean, on any motorcycle, but um, there's a lot of different sizes of Harley-Davidson's and the way their stance, the seat width, the ride height, there's a lot of difference there between the different models. So you want to make sure
2: that you're getting something that fits you. Right. It's almost like finding a suit. You find a suit that you like. Okay, you know what? This fits pretty good. And then that's where our parts department comes in is that we can, through the parts department, we can actually tailor the fit of that bike to what you want. We say this, everything fits great on the bike. The handlebars feel good, but the seat, the, the uh, foot peg position, I'd rather have the foot pegs forward instead of sitting right here. Okay, no problem. We can get you a four control kit for that bike. That way you can stretch your legs out a little bit. Okay. That feels better. Okay. Well, now the seat's a little uncomfortable. Do you have a more comfortable seat for me? Well, yes, I do. Let's take a look at this seat right here. Oh, you said to earlier that you are going to have a passenger, right? Yes. Okay, well, this seat is good for you, and your, your passenger pillion on this seat is you know, a little wider, a little thicker. It's very comfortable for your passenger. And How about a backrest? Do you th- want them to feel more secure while they're riding on the motorcycle with you so they feel safer, like they're not going to slide off? Well, yes, I guess I can. Yes, I do. Well, here's a backrest for you as well. That way, your passenger is more comfortable, and she'll want to ride with you more. Yeah, it's
0: it's funny that you say that, because I, am, I like a stripped-down look, but... When you start having a, a girlfriend or a wife or whatever riding with you, then you don't actually get to have what you want. And and that look. It's a
1: compromise. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it?
0: you do have to compromise. So, so I had a bike, and uh, when my wife and I first started dating, we were riding, and she would ride with me. And she's like, I really wish that there was some sort of backrest on here. And I'm like, I hate backrests. I'm upset enough that there's a, even a pillion seat on here, but I'm glad there's a place for you to sit and I want you to ride with me. So I compromised and I, I found a backrest and I found the shortest backrest I could possibly find for my bike. And I thought, well, you know, that one still looks, it looks okay. It's, it doesn't detract from the bike that much or anything like that. And I put that on there and she's like, this,
1: is, this, this isn't really helping me a whole lot. And for those <laughs> who aren't old enough to know pillion, that is passenger... And a, and a pillion seat is for your passenger. Uh, yeah.
2: Did, did I show our age right there? <laughs> well, and another thing, the um, a lot of times when you're carrying a passenger, you get a lot of uh, racket on the back of the bike. By putting that passenger backrest, it's guaranteed to get rid of some of the wine from the back of the bike. Hmm, very interesting. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> so there's a, there's a mystique, and I think it's a false mystique. I'm not sure where it came from about uh, being difficult to work with dealers. But that is not... That is not the case. No, uh, you, not at all. Whether you're an advanced rider or you're a new rider, there should never be a problem with working with a dealer. You should never feel like you can't ask a question. You should never feel like that you can't go to a dealership for a new or a used motorcycle and ask questions about it and, and sit on it. You should expect for the sales staff to come and answer your questions and to work with you.
2: Oh yes, definitely. Um, and the benefit of being at the dealership also is that you can get everything you need right there. Uh, we have a customer path at our nation that we like to follow. Um, after you, after we've gone through the process with the the motorcycle of finding the bike that you want and one's going to fit the needs that you have and the desires that you have also, um, we uh, while the finance department is taking care of their business. Um, there's usually not much for a customer to do. You kind of mull around and just sit around and wait. Um, Instead of just doing that, we use that as an opportunity to introduce you to the other people at the dealership and the other departments that you know what we have to offer and you have a familiar face and a name to remember every time you come in. We'll go over to the motor clothes department. That'll help you pick out your um, jackets, uh, chaps, helmet gloves any safety equipment that you want to wear Uh, that's also where the lifestyle wardrobe is you know your t-shirts and your hats because you have to get a t-shirt that's part of going to a dealership a harley shop especially you have to get a t-shirt you have to have a harley shirt right oh yes and some of us even started out with a harley shirt before we had the harley (laughs) and then after that we go to the parts department meet our parts guy we've got a great parts guy back there too he's fantastic you you could practically bring in a part and he can tell you what it is and what it came off of before you get to the you
1: well, see that's an advantage of working with a lot of dealers now possibly some independent shops but for the most part uh, a competent parts guy at a, at a dealership if you come in and you ride whatever brand the particular dealership offers and you have a really good parts guy you can come in with questions in the and between a service guy that's experienced and your parts guy that's experienced then you can help this customer get a part if he needs a part, or if something's wrong, it's something that he can either accomplish on his own or that he needs to bring to the service center.
2: Yes, and we'll help troubleshoot because um, we've because it is so popular to customize and personalize your Harley-Davidson. It's really easy to personalize that bike through our parts department and the, and the um, accessories that we have to offer. Well, one of the interesting things I, I found that you said is that you do
0: introduce – uh, customers to everybody and especially the service department, because taking care of your bike getting those regular oil changes, and if you are to if you have any any issues, coming into a service department and not knowing about anybody and and you know if you're not mechanically inclined and you don't you hate walking in there and feeling like well, oh, I don't know what my bike's making a sound and I don't know what it is and but if you already have developed a relationship with somebody in the service
2: department, that's going to make that process a whole lot easier. Oh, definitely. You know, when you walk in the door and they say, hey, Steve, what's going on? All right. Hey, you know what? He remembers my name. Let's, I want to go talk to him again because he can help me out. And our service department, those guys are fantastic. Like our service writer, Josh, you, we'll take you back there to meet him. And maybe one of the techs will come walking out. Maybe Charlie or Jeremy will come walking out. You can meet with the guys that actually work on the bikes And the ones that'll install your accessories. And the great thing about getting that that stuff put on at the dealership is, one, when you're buying a brand new bike and you buy that stuff, your accessories, whether it's a backrest seat, foot pegs, whatever and it gets put on at the time of purchase, it's covered under the factory warranty of the motorcycle. Most dealers or manufacturers do that. Anything added on, it be covered under the factory warranty at that time. So it's great to get that stuff put on then. And it's put on by trained Harley-Davidson technicians as well. They've gone to school. They've learned about the different motors, whether it's you know the Evo, the Twin Cam, and now the new Milwaukee 8, which I think we're going to call that the Forehead. Since the there's forehead. four yeah. Since there's four valves in the head, I think we'll call that the, the forehead. forehead. Yeah, that fits about right. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. Yeah, why not? So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and they're going to be trained on on that as well. You're guaranteed that this person has been taught formally how to work on the bike, and then they get the real world knowledge on how to work on it too. I mean, we've got one of our um, technicians, Charlie. He's been doing this for over 15 years, and a lot of guys will come in. They want him to work on their bike. They've Harley riders are kind of particular about that stuff.
1: Motorcycle riders in general seem to be. Yeah. When they build that trust with a technician, that's who they want to work on their bike. That's their guy. Now, do you think a lot of this, not necessarily animosity, but fear of dealers, you think that that stems from the automobile industry? Oh, most definitely. because They're aggressive. The salesmen are aggressive and stuff Oh in yes. the automobile dealerships.
2: Yeah, that's why I use the term... It, Buying a car is a necessary evil. Nobody really relishes the idea of going to a car dealership and you're walking in the door and you've already got three people over there trying to talk to you. How are you doing? Let's, oh, let's fill out a credit application. No. Buying a motorcycle, we make it fun because, because we're enthusiasts also. Everybody up at the shop rides or has ridden. So we know, we understand what you're looking for and what you're wanting to accomplish. And so and we, we're enjoying the sport with you. And so we don't high pressure you um, we just, we talk to you.
1: We, we want to earn your trust so that you'll come back and see us again. So anybody out there that feels like that they're a little intimidated by a dealership, they should actually go and conquer their fear a little bit and speak up and find a salesman or find a parts guy and start a relationship most definitely and i think especially with harley Davidson
2: is that every a lot of people have this image of everybody in there is going to be you know this big guy with a beard and a ponytail and tattoos cha- and yes
1: rough and gruff and aggressive and exactly and we're not no it's never <laughs> been my experience at, uh, at any of not just the harley Davidson dealerships but most of the dealerships that most of the time they're there to help oh but that's
2: what our goal is 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 to help you enjoy our sport like we enjoy it. That's why we got into that end of the business is because we really do enjoy the sport, and we want everybody to feel that freedom and that exhilaration of getting to do things. And we're doing a most dealerships will do a lot of things to help you build a relationship with the dealership. Uh, we started having dealership rides. We had our first one this last Saturday, and it was great. Everybody met up at the dealership. And they rode down to Hollywood Corners down
1: in Norman for lunch. You know, that's another interesting question. And I think that they could actually participate better with their motorcycles, uh, not just with a dealer, but I think that dealership rides introduces them to other people who ride. A lot of times I have customers that might consider getting rid of their motorcycle because basically all they do is they go to a bike night and then that's all. And if they would actually take the time to come to dealer functions, I think that would expand their their riding buddies. Oh yeah, and
2: Harley Davidson has got the hog chapters. Also every dealership's got a hog chapter. And so if you're you're new to an area and you buy motorcycles, we do, we have a lot of transplants here from other places. And they'll come in and they'll well, you know, like say this guy I met. He's got a bike. He's the only one I know. Is there another group that I can ride with? Well, yes, we've got our local hog chapter that you can ride with them. They go on dinner rides and take longer trips and do all sorts of fun stuff.
1: Yeah, it's not any kind of like wild Woodstock deal with. Oh with no, any of it's, that. it's nothing like that. We, I could find that stuff for you if that's what you were looking if, for. If but you for you the want most that, part, we, no. Yeah, pretty much any of us can direct you in that <laughs> in that direction if that's what you're after. But for the most part, it's just a pleasure of riding together. It's yes. just riding. In and of itself, riding. Right, because you build a camaraderie, and you really do become part of a
2: community whenever you start riding a motorcycle. And you really can't be an introvert and ride, a, especially a Harley-Davidson, because people want to come up and look at it, and ooh, especially kids, especially you know, little boys, they're always fascinated by motorcycles. I was, in fact, I'm, again, getting back to the and being intimidated by coming into a Harley-Davidson dealership, whenever I was younger, i always loved motorcycles. My first one, I was like eight years old, and pretty much had one ever since then. But the first memory I have of a Harley Davidson is when Harley World was down on 25th and Agnew. I remember it was cold outside. It was wintertime, and there was snow pushed up on the side of the road. And this guy on on a touring bike I mean, he did. He had the beard and the long hair, and he had all his leathers on. He was all bundled up, and he kind of came to a skid and stopped stopped because he hit an ice patch and he dumped his bike. I was like, oh, mom, look at that. That's awesome. She's like, oh, you can't ride a Harley, son. Only only, motorcycle club people ride Harley-Davidson. Well, I was hooked. (laughs) 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 That's it. I'm getting a Harley someday. Well,
0: it's interesting that you say that because, uh, I mean, obviously – there is was a lot of that mystique, uh, the, certainly through the 70s and maybe 80s and everything. But, the, well, yeah, back to the 60s, the 50s. I mean, even if you go back to the to the early days of the 1% clubs and that sort of thing. And then you think about the, the wild one, the Marlon Brando movie. And and there was a whole series of movies through the 60s and 70s that kind of gave motorcycle riders a bad name. Across the board, right? Yeah. But that, I mean, there, I think there might still be some people that are really disassociated associated from the sport as a whole of riding motorcycles that that may still have that that thought process but m- the customers that you see now especially coming into a Harley-Davidson dealership are are not uh, that kind I mean the the riders have changed over the years uh, and the mystique has changed I mean the Harley, Organizations, the hog chapters, and that sort of thing. I mean, there's there's a family atmosphere there, and you're seeing much more uh, of a professional uh, doctors, lawyers, dentists, and just a a broad variety of people that come in to buy a Harley Davidson now, including a lot of women now that are getting Harleys.
2: There are a lot of ladies that are getting into riding Harley Davidsons. It's fantastic. We love it when when ladies come in. One of my favorite things, I had this lady and she was probably in her 50s then and she came in and she said monnie my got my daughter graduated from college and i told her when i did that i was going to get a motorcycle and that's what i'm here to do i said well okay so i I showed her some motorcycles she had one picked out actually a sportster 883 she sat on it that was the we sat on a couple of them but that was the one she was most comfortable with and she was, okay we're doing this let's get this done Okay, so we do all our paperwork and we go on our customer path. She gets the gloves and the hat and everything, and she really she looked so cute on the bike because, like I said, she's just little lady. She would she might have been five foot tall, if anything. It's got on the bike, and I remember I was so nervous about her going. It was because, like I said, we kind of developed that relationship, and I was really concerned about her because she hadn't been on a bike in a long time. She said, and I bet that wheel didn't get one full turn, and she hit a car her her hand slipped off the clutch and it broke the shift tab off the shifter so we pushed the bike in the back i'm as a beggar i said like, please just let me put this bike on a trailer and get it hauled home for you and she was stubborn i mean she should have been a redhead she wasn't but she should have been a redhead because she was that she's like no monty she, i bought this bike i'm riding it home I was like, okay and i saw her a year later she'd just come back from a poker run she's at the dealership she's cutting up with everybody. And she comes over, she gives me a big old hug and tells me what a great time she's been
1: having since she's had this motorcycle. I like female customers in the fact that they're pretty much know what they want when they come to you. Now, if they're going to buy shoes, that's a whole other deal. I don't know about anybody else out there that's married or girlfriends or whatever, but sometimes buying clothing with women is a bit of an endeavor. But when it comes to motorcycle stuff, The men seem to, the male customers seem to be very indecisive, and the women come in pretty much already know what they want.
2: Oh, they do. And some of the women, they come in and they'll want the lightest bike that they can find, whether it's a sports store or one of the new 500 or 750 streets. And nine times out of 10, when I show them a bigger bike, they feel more comfortable. Because their first concern is the weight. And what I try and show them is the weight placement and distribution on the motorcycle and how that changes the feel of the bike. Because although Sportsters are, as far as gross weight, lighter than, say, a Deluxe, a softtail Deluxe. The way that, the, where that weight is placed in the bike is different. It's a little bit higher on a Sportster. Yeah, Sportsters and it feels
1: are, a little heavier up high sometimes.
2: It does. They're a little, little top-heavy. So I'll take them, I'll sit them down on a softtail Deluxe or even the, the new softtail Slim. It sits nice and low. The weight on that bike is is low in the chassis. It's very easy to stand up and easy to maneuver. And a lot of the times, they'll buy that bike because it's not as intimidating as what they thought.
0: Well, and and one of the interesting things about that is if you learn how to pick up a bike correctly, which is something that you can learn at your dealership, I mean, if you ask your salesperson, or sometimes when you have some of those rides or or, uh, dealer events, there's even displays, because I have seen – I've seen training yep, at dealerships yep, a lot. But I have seen young ladies who are you know, maybe 100 pounds pick up a, a big bagger mm-hmm. because they've been taught the correct method of lifting the bike. And so for a lady going in to shop for a new Harley-Davidson or a new bike, you know, that's something that's part of the process. You should learn the proper way to pick up the motorcycle if it is to go down, and, and that kind of alleviates that weight
2: concern. It does. And we do, we will have garage parties for ladies. Only the ladies come in. Uh, last one we had, we had about, uh, I think we had 12 or 13. 13- Ladies, there, and that was one of the things that we did. We took a a motorcycle in the back and we laid it down, and we showed them the proper way to get the bike up in case they had to pick their. We have dropped it in the garage or whatever. How to stand it back up and get the kickstand down.
0: Well, overall, I think the uh, the the point we want to make is that a a motorcycle dealership is is on your side when you when you go into that dealership. They're there to help you. They're there to help you find the bike that you want that feels comfortable, that fits you correctly, and they're going to take care of you after a sale is made. Uh, and whether that is um, a Harley-Davidson dealership or you choose to go another another route, most dealerships are going to be along those same lines. But uh, we're certainly glad that Monty Ketch has been able to come in. And if you are in the market for Harley Davidson. You do want to be sure to stop by Iron Nation Harley Davidson in Edmond. And they're located just off of South Broadway and 3433. 3433 South
2: Broadway. I do just how eager we are to help people and friendly we all try to be. I was actually, this was pretty inspiring for me uh, this last Monday. Um, a gentleman came in and he'd been in a motorcycle accident the previous year and he'd actually lost a leg and he had a prosthetic leg and he brought his girlfriend in and he was he's ready to get back on a bike and ride. He wasn't scared. he was ready to ride again. and he was really concerned about the weight of the motorcycle, whether he could be able to pick it up, you know get it off the side stand and ride and uh, we sat on probably half a dozen motorcycles until we found the one that him and his girlfriend were comfortable on, and made sure that he could get it up off the side stand, and that it fit his leg, the way that he needed it to. Um, even came up with some clever ideas. He said he'd been he was he can't really shift anymore. It's his left leg, so he has trouble shifting. So he's got to have a f- work out either a jockey shift or an air shift or something for it. But um. He His attitude was fantastic about it. He wasn't scared or nervous about getting on. In fact, he said that the last time he rode with his prosthetic legs, that once he got up to about 50 miles an hour, it kind of wanted to blow it off the, the foot peg. And. He said, good you know, thing's heavy at 50 mile an hour, trying to get blown off the foot peg. I said, man, that's still no price. I said, we just put a magnet right here, and that way it sticks to the tank better. <laughs> and you're set. <laughs> yeah, You're set. He, he's, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> but it's it a funny thing. It turned out that the bike that he was most comfortable with and was able to pick up off the side stand every time with no problem was an ultra low. The ultra you know, the full dress bagger, tour pack, fairing, all dressed out, but the low – It's been lowered in the front and the rear. It's got a special cutout seat so you can get more more distance down to the ground and some other things to make it easier to reach the ground. And he was able to pop that thing right up like it was a sportster. It was great watching him do that and seeing the confidence come back on his face and the confidence that his girlfriend had knowing, my man can ride this bike and I'll be safe.
1: Never be intimidated to work with your local dealer.
2: Right. We're there to help. Yeah, Uh, Monty, how can people find you? find me Uh, oh or iron nation harley davidson whichever you'd like them to find well when you come in after you find the dealership find me the best thing go online you type in iron nation harley davidson google us you'll find us we're real easy to find or just head up i-35 and then stay on 235 if you get to 33rd street turn around with a second turn in on the right
0: Yeah. So you can
2: look them up online,
0: and you can also check out their Facebook page. Just search for Iron Nation Harley-Davidson on Facebook, and you can get to their Facebook page, and they post a lot of stuff on there. And, of course, if you're looking for Eric and I, you can find the Power Sports podcast at oklahomatalking.co. You can listen to all of the shows and find some of the written blogs that we've done. You can also find us on Twitter at Talk. And uh, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash podcast. Please go like our page. And we'll have videos posted there and uh, other cool stuff. And we put some results and things like that. So go like the Facebook page. You can listen to the show at Oklahoma Talking Company, oklahomatalking.co. You can listen to us on iTunes. And you can listen to us on Stitcher Radio. So we appreciate you taking time to listen. We hope that you're safe if you're out riding this week and this weekend. For Eric Colvin, I'm Jason Baffrey. We are out of here.